the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. So we are back with another edition of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. I am Michael Fields, and today I am joined by Ted Lighty, who is the CEO of the Colorado Association of Home Builders. Uh, welcome to the to the podcast, Ted. Michael, thanks for having me. Good to be with you. So I think, you know, you think about this last session, there was uh, a lot of different bills, a lot of things going on. But one of the things that got the most attention was this land use bill that the governor kind of proposed and pushed. Uh, it obviously wasn't successful, but I kind of wanted to remind our listeners kind of what happened with, their, with, with that bill through session. And then it obviously led to now a, an executive order from the governor more recently. But can you walk us through a little bit about what happened with that bill this last session? Sure. Yeah. So I and I, I do think it came from a good place. And, you know, I think all along we applauded the governor for at least forcing this conversation. Um, so for those for your audience that may not know, we have, you know, we have local control in the state and pretty much everything it takes to build a new housing unit in Colorado, single family detached home or an apartment unit, you have to go through local planning processes, inspection processes, and approval processes. Um, that has there's been quite a few hiccups in those policy in those processes, um, different policies. And I think this was an honest attempt to try to address that and come from a good place to to build more housing. And how do we do that? I think, unfortunately, it also started to try to be too many kind of all things to all people piece of legislation. It was just, it was, you know, too big, it couldn't fail, not too big, to fail kind of thing. Um, and that's because we do have a lot of folks that, that still believe the proper domain is your local government to determine, you know, the size, scale, and and the aesthetics of, of new housing and does it mesh well with the existing built environment. Um, so the governor's office was trying to do some good things and it really, they looked at a number of, of different ways to try to help produce housing or provide roadmaps to produce more housing. Um, multi, you know, use by right multifamily around transit, um, the, the use of ADUs or accessory dwelling units. And then what we call kind of this middle housing really it's a, an up zoning that you've seen or probably heard about. Um, in cities like Minneapolis and Portland, where they've almost done away with single-family detached housing or single-family detached zoning. Um, this wasn't doing that quite to the degree that those other cities have done it, but effectively would, in certain areas, those transit corridors and, and other areas of that, I forget how they were defined in the bill, um, would have allowed so that single-family detached home to become a duplex or a triplex, so one unit to be replaced by three or four. Um, yeah, again, all of those things are, are somewhat necessary to to get at the, the deficit that we find ourselves in, which is tens of thousands of units that were undersupplied in the state of Colorado, and probably even in the front range. Um, but 
I think, unfortunately, it did not go, it, 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 it lacks some good process, some stakeholder process, and the cities, I think, felt that they were being railroaded. That's my, those are my words, not necessarily theirs. Um, and that that local control aspect of planning and zoning and making sure that, you know, the housing fits um, an intended community was there. Um, I think, you know, it started to do some good things. And in, in, in the Senate, the bill was heavily amended. Um, and I think it got to a point where it was going to create a roadmap, if you will, a needs assessment, a housing needs assessment, some strategic growth objectives, um, and say, you know, Department of Local Affairs continue to work pretty much in the capacity that you've already always done with local governments in an advisory role, providing resources, both financial and technical. Um, this, you know, the bill as it was introduced was going to basically turn DOLA into a regulator where they've usually been more of an advisory capacity um, as far as their interaction with local governments. Um, so again, I, I think it was trying to do too many things we can get into where I think we might be headed with the executive order and, and where we might see, you know, a, you know, the son of 213 or however you'd like to characterize it in, in the 2024 session. But really, you know, Colorado's got you know, 150, 200,000, depending on whatever estimates, I think CSI's estimates, the common census estimates mm -hmm. somewhere in that range. And I, I think they did a good job sourcing that data. Um, so we, we do need to do something collectively as a state, whether it's regionally or by the, you know, with the cities and I individually. And I think, you know, stuff like Prop 123, House Bill 1271 from, I think, 2021, those are our I think really good bills. And, and I think from our standpoint, um, or bills that created bills or, or ballot measures that created programs that provide a few more carrots than necessarily the sticks that might have been in 213 um, to hopefully build more, more units. And I think one of the things that we thought was curious was we knew that we had to have enabling legislation in 2023 for Prop 123. Um, and why there wasn't more of a talk about how we we sort of weave maybe some of the concepts in 213 with more of a carrot approach and incentive-based approach with the cities um, versus kind of, you know, making it more prescriptive um, and, and, you know, more mandates. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, kind of the housing unit deficit that we know has been building up for, you know, several, several years, uh, if not, you know, more than that. Um, do you have any idea, and I remember the CSI number two, but is this something that's growing even worse or is it closing just not quick enough? Um, you know, is it staying about the same? I'm just thinking of, you know, some huge developments that are happening, uh, you know, in our area up by Lone yeah. Tree, you think of Sterling Ranch, you think of, you know, the, the stuff near DIA, like it seems like there's a lot of development happening is that just kind of maintaining that still big deficit that we have right now? It, it it's, it's, I don't know if it's maintaining it, but it's not it's not eclipsing that deficit in a, in a quick enough fashion. Um, it's not reducing the deficit in enough, in, in a meaningful way that's going to have an effect on prices, right? Um, until you reach or achieve some sort of market equilibrium, you're never really going to, to start bringing down price points, not at least without subsidies. Um, so yes, we have seen, you know, it, it seemingly, if you've lived in Colorado for any amount of time, at least the last decade, this seems like a lot of development, but, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but our permits 
for single family detached and overall housing has waned considerably since 07, right? We It just fell off a cliff in the Great Recession. And then our population in migration kept climbing, but our our housing production never kept up with that net migration. So I think one of the things I saw is, is our, from 2010 through 20, our population grew by 15%, mm -hmm. but our housing production fell by about 40, right? So and the numbers don't add up. There you case <laughs> that imbalance. So it seems like there's a lot of, you know, cranes in the air and in, in the downtown cityscape and a lot of dirt earth movers going on in the suburbs. Um, and there are, but it's not enough. Uh, it's not enough housing. Um, and we need all types of housing kind of in, in, in many different areas. You mentioned, uh, you know, the land use bill and how the process kind of failed that people, you know, the stakeholders and local governments, et cetera. We can get a little bit more into what you think might be coming next session. But do you think this is something that would be fixable if on the front end there is more stakeholder stuff? Or are there things in there that just, you know, this is never going to be accepted by certain local governments, et cetera? Like, do you think it's the process side of it was was as big of a deal to to kill this as was the, the policy side. Uh, no, I mean, I, I yes, yes, you're right. So it was both. It was a little bit of both. It was certainly the policy. I think you probably you've been in public policy a long time too. If you start with a what could be a controversial policy and you don't start with the right process, um, people run to their corners, right? And you can never really get past. The policy differences that you have. So I think it started, you know, with the process and it certainly was the policy that ultimately I think meant, you know, was, is what, what meant with the bill's demise. Um, but yes, I, I still think, you know, if you're, we're, we're doing a lot of candidate, um, interviews and, and, and meeting with new candidates at the local level. Um, and some of them obviously are, are incumbents. And I would still say when, when we're asking the question about 213, mm -hmm. what are their thoughts on it or what could be done differently? The first thing they still talk about is we still haven't talked to the governor's office about what they might want to do. Right. So it's that feeling of, Hey, you want to do something to us, but you don't want us to weigh in about how best we work together on that. So I think we're seeing, I, I would say we're seeing a better process starting to take shape by, you know, evidence that the, the governor's office taking um, uh, a role or, or participating in, in the Colorado Municipal League's housing convenings that they've started to, to put together. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm always hopeful you got to be in this job um, that we'll have a better process and, and probably better policy next year. So let's talk a little bit about the executive order uh, that now came out a few weeks ago, but the governor put out uh, an executive order. It seemed like, you know, there's a lot of plans and procedures and rules. Um, not sure how much teeth there is to it, but I guess, can you kind of uh, talk a little bit about the executive order, what it would do um, and, you know, how it impacts that overall discussion heading in the next session? Yeah. No, I mean, so we, we see a lot of the same themes as we saw in 213, for sure, right, is we want to create more housing opportunities. We want it to be around transit. We don't want sprawl if we can help it. Um, we want to produce more housing so we can lower the cost of housing so more people can live where they near where they, you know, they live and, and, and play. Um, I, I, you know, the one thing that I think I, I would certainly give the governor a hat tip to is he's basically saying, okay, Last year, we were going to say, tell the local governments, here's what you must do, right? We're going to create a, 
a roadmap together or a blueprint since we're talking about housing together, but we're going to make you guys, you know, check these boxes. This seemingly, and to your point, there, there, there's maybe it could use more teeth, but where I like the, the executive order says, let's start at home. All right, let's look at the processes in DOLA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they've got a lot more money now to work with. Let's make sure that they're streamlining their processes when local governments or any other grant grantees coming uh, you know, coming to draw down funds to build more houses. Let's make sure that we're doing, um, you know, what we're asking the local governments to do first. Let's look at CDPHE or the Water Quality Control Division and say, all right, nothing can get done until stormwater permits are, you know, are are issued. Let's make sure we're doing that in a timely manner. And, you know, on so on and so forth among the other, you know, CDOT and some of the other agencies that, that touch housing. So I do like that. I do, I think, appreciate that, that it's let's make sure that we look at our own ourselves in the mirror first and make sure we're doing everything right. Um, so a lot of people, I think, have taken that to say that's their step to say we're doing it. So now we can make you do it. I don't know if they're going to go that far yet this year. I think what we might see is that, you know, the, the elements of the bill of 213 last year broken into different bills where you can have more meaningful conversations on those policy uh, perspective policies, you know, elements, you know, in, in their own hearings, if you will. And you can invite a bigger stakeholder group to to come in and, and talk about how those bills might be done. So I, I could see it. And just because we've got the evidence from other states that have done this, where their first attempts to do something similar to 213 failed, and then they came back the next year, worked better with the, their municipal league or their league of cities, and they broke up those bills and said, okay, what do we want to do on an ADU bill? And what do we want to do on a multifamily transit-oriented bill? What do we want to do you know, to potentially upzone or, or create a little more general density in maybe some of our existing neighborhoods? neighborhoods sorry. Um, so that's that's kind of where my crystal ball would say that we're going um, based off of what we've seen um, and what we've heard out of the governor's office um, and just kind of, you know, what you're hearing around the, the water cooler, as they say. So um, I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, no, you did. And I think, you know, I, I think the question, and you brought it up a little bit earlier, this kind of carrot versus stick approach. Um, and, you know, thinking about different levers of, of government and how the federal government works sometimes. And I, and I agree that local control is like a big deal in Colorado, especially, right? That, um, you know, whether that's on education, whether it's on, um, you know, these kinds of zoning stuff, that it is something that um, people are aware of, that they care about. And I think, you know, to to deal with that, sometimes it there is this pushback against the, the, the stick approach, but yeah. there could be an opening on, on the carrot side. And just thinking of, you know, it happens in transportation federally. It happens uh, in healthcare, even right. You think about Medicare or Medicaid to the states, and it's like, look, we'll give you this if you do things this way. Do you right. think that we're moving in that direction somewhat in in terms of these policies of saying, look, the state will come up with money or uh, you know give more grants out to places that that comply instead of making them do it? It can be like, hey, um, if you want some of this, you know, these additional resources to deal with the problems in your area, you're going to have to abide by these laws. I mean, do you think that's something that that we're heading in that direction and that it can work or not? I mean, we're we're already there to some degree, yeah. right? We had House Bill 1271, I believe that was from the 2021 legislative session, and then we had Prop 123 yeah. that I just covered. I recently, the right. Right. right, 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 that the voters approved of, and it's you know some upwards of around 300 million when we start fully funding in a full fiscal year. 
And those basically say, here's the money, local governments. You can come and draw down that money if you do A, B, and C, right? So we have a lot of that kind of incentive approach going on right now. And I think that's where I you know, may have clumsily kind of or glossed over where we were curious why we weren't doing more around kind of weaving in the concepts of 213 with the concepts of Prop 123 and say, mm-hmm. okay, are we missing something from 123, you know, the boxes that the local governments have to check to draw down this money? I mean, I think ultimately we love local control too. Um, we we spend a lot of time, you know, creating relationships with local governments. But at the same time, I think we would hope that they would be open to maybe more regional approaches, right? You see Colorado Springs, I'd probably hold up the most as you know, when, when somebody, whether media or otherwise, says, okay, wh- where do your builders do the best or, or, or which local government should we be looking at as an example? Um, well, you usually say Colorado Springs, and, and it's evident that they want to be partners in growing, that they understand their housing deficit, want to be partners in, in providing new housing, market rate, low market rate, um, subsidized or, or not. One thing that they do have going for them, though, is they have a regional building department. Right. So they have one set of codes, whether you're in Colorado Springs, Fountain, Falcon um, uh, or, you know, Monument. Um, and I think that provides a little better certainty to the industry to say whether we're going to build a new home in Monument or Colorado Springs or, you know, say, Denver or Thornton. Uh, we know what the rules are. Right. Um, and the plan review is done by the same set of folks. And um whether there's design guidelines, you know, I could get into the weeds, I won't. Um, so I, I do think looking more regionally and saying, you know, someone like Dr. Cog coming in and saying, hey, let's do a needs assessment for the region. Uh, maybe the Northwest Colorado Cog does, does that for their area. And there's a little more uniformity or uh, homogeneity, you know, among some of the rules and, and the codes that um, that the builders and the developers have to go through. I, I think that could be um, I, I, if somebody asked me what are, you know, if you've got, you know, asked you to wave that magic wand question, what would the, you know, the building community, the development community, really the housing provider community like to see and all this, we would say housing is a continuum. Um, sometimes it's necessary to focus policy on one area of the continuum, whether it's subsidized housing at, you know, 60% AMI. Um, but what we would say is because housing, housing is a continuum, a continuum because we have such a huge need in our supply of housing, we need to be attacking every station, if you will, of that continuum. How do you do that with public policy? You reduce the barriers, right? The policy barriers or the regulations, the design process or the um, the plan review process or the inspection process. That doesn't mean you don't, you go forego inspections, that type of thing, right? But you make sure that you're acting more like a business and being responsive to um, your constituency or those doing business within your borders. So to us, it's, it's why don't, you know, when we look at our national studies and see that a quarter of the price of a single family detached home and a third of the price of a multifamily unit is from government regulation from the federal government on down to the local government level, we say, look at the savings you could provide by reducing those regulations, right? 
and then that takes less subsidy, right? What's the old adage? I forget which president it was, but it was, you know, we usually regulate something until we have to subsidize it. I think it was Reagan, right? We have a little bit of that going on right now in the housing industry, and we've actually had that going on in the housing industry for far too long. Um, so to us, it's, you know, and we're taking a market approach to this, but reduce the regulation, allow the market to work a little bit better. We think you'll you'll see more production of ho- housing all along that continuum, right? We want to provide entry-level housing because not everybody can afford luxury housing, right? right? We need that luxury housing because then you, the professional that's been, you know, that's built up a nest egg can move there and free up, um, you know, something farther down on the continuum. And then you get that naturally occurring affordable housing, which we also haven't seen in Colorado in far too long because we've got such a supply deficit. So we have investors going into C and D type class C and D properties and flipping them, right. And creating, making them into A and B, which that makes it more expensive. But if we had, if we were building more A and B, people would probably buy that new product that's A and B and that C and D becomes naturally occurring affordable housing, right. That somebody can get into. Um, So a lot of dynamics at play here. No, I think there are a ton of dynamics. And, you know, you think about even the different levels of, you know, I, I believe in individual property rights, but then you have, you know, this local governments that, that have a say in things, but you mentioned it's a regional problem or a statewide problem that's going on. So there's a lot of different dynamics and those different price points that you talked about, right? right. That we wanted people to be able to get in, buy, uh, whether that is, uh, you know, a condo or a home or whatever, work their way up that, um, but if there's a, a hole in any of those areas, like you're in trouble and it's going to drive up the cost for everybody. So I think the the last question, kind of a two-part cu- question that I have for you um, is one, you know, we know costs are extremely high in Colorado. If you're just breaking this down for the average person, you know, what do we need to do in a couple sentences in order to fix that? And then second, if people want to get involved, they care about this issue, they, mm-hmm. you know, something that, and, and everybody really does care. You know, you look at the polling and everything else, it's like housing costs this problem is top three and, you know, everywhere you go in the state, what can people do, uh, you know, whether that's talk to their elected official or get more educated on it or whatever you think is the best thing, but what, you know, what needs to get done and then how do people actually do something about it? I mean, I, for, for the first part of your question or for, to address the first question, I, I'd go back to my statement earlier when I kind of said, you know, if I had my, my, my magic wand, I would really look at how do you reduce um, regulations. Uh, for one example, design guidelines. Um, design guidelines will tell you how you have to build your homes, right? If you want to build in this area. Um, to, from the industry standpoint, we go to great pains. We do a lot of due diligence to make sure we're building beautiful product that uh, meets market demand, right? That is aesthetically pleasing as possible because that's how we sell homes and how we continue to sell homes and build good reputations. Um, Design guidelines should be the domain of HOAs, homeowners, you know, homeowners groups, homeowners associations. They shouldn't be the domain of local governments, right? You can't be told, hey, build a more affordable product, but make sure it's brick, right? And stone. Well, those cost a lot more than James Hardy siding. Um, but you can still make homes look decent with, with James Hardy siding or, or whatever siding. Um, so I would say, look at the, your regulations. We've had conversations with city officials and, and those aspiring to be on city councils over the last couple of weeks. And that's one of the messages we've been telling them is, is you don't have to have your hands in every little part of the housing development process. Um, let right. the market work as much as possible. Your second point, you know, I, 
we, we talk to business leaders and I've had more chambers come to me lately, which has been great um, and say, how do we get involved? You, because we know that this is hurting our ability. The, the cost of housing is hurting our ability to, to retain jobs and obviously recruit and, True, right. and uh, new employers and, and, and headquarters and that type of thing here. How do we help you? And one of the things we say is get yeah get involved with your planning commissions, get involved with your city councils, show up at zoning hearings or at planning commission meetings when new housing projects are being debated and whether or not they're going to be recommended to city council or city council is going to approve them. Because I can tell you those that don't, that feel like we already have enough housing um, are showing up in mass and they're skewing, I think, the results ultimately that maybe the housing will still get done, but you might push them back into the process, right? And it just lengthens that process. And a lot of cities, um, both staff and, and, and electeds, we feel like don't have a full handle on what the time cost of money is and, and what those delays do um, to carrying costs and how that just kind of, you know, arbitrarily increases the cost of housing. So if you're an individual, you're part of a business group, you're an employer, and you say, I need more housing for, for my employees, or I, I know that Colorado needs more housing to stay competitive, you need to show up and be a counterweight um, at the local government level and, and talk about why we need more housing. I think that makes a lot of sense. And uh, clearly, I mean, I think people listening to this clearly uh, understand how smart you are on on these issues. And I think we're lucky to have you working on it because it is such a, a important issue for Colorado, for the workforce, for the future of the state. So I appreciate you sharing your thoughts. We'd love to have you come back on you know, maybe next session or after the, you know, we see what phase two looks like right. uh, to see, you know, is this something that's going to work or not, but I appreciate you coming on. Well, thanks for being curious about this subject. It's very important. And uh, yeah, I always love sharing um, my insights. So thank you for having me and hope your audience enjoys the program. Well, thanks. That's the uh, another episode of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. We'll be back uh, soon with another interesting uh, discussion. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader, driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at advancecolorado.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.